I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Is week one of Billy Wilder Month, Volume 2. One of my, if not my, all-time favorite writer-director. We did a Billy Wilder Month last year, and there's just so much to his canon that I wanted to show Rob that we're going to revisit the subject probably at least one more time after after this time. But So we're going to do four Billy Wilder movies this month, and I wanted to have a diversity of, of, of offerings among what we watch. And so the first film we watched is not a film that Billy Wilder directed. Which caught me a little bit off guard. Yeah, it, it is one that he co-wrote. Uh, he wrote the original short story A to Z with a man named Thomas Monroe. And then him and his writing partner at the time, Charlie Brackett, wrote the screenplay adaptation for Ball of Fire, 1941 release, a December 1941 release, actually. This would be the last movie that Billy Wilder would write that he would not also direct. Yeah. And it would be remade about seven years later. Really? Uh, altered a bit and turned into a vehicle for Danny Kay. They made it a musical called A Song is Born. Wow. This is the story of Sugar Puss O'Shea, played by Barbara Stanwyck, favorite of mine, who is a burlesque dancer and singer. Barbara Stanwyck actually started out her career at the age of 16 as a Ziegfeld Follies girl, a chorus girl. She's from Brooklyn. She has a similar background to this character, and she would play a burlesque girl again two years later in the mystery movie The Lady of Burlesque, which was written, which was based on a story supposedly written by Gypsy Rose Lee, but it probably wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it, it was attributed to her. But anyway, she is a dancer and singer at a club. She has to hide out because her boyfriend is Johnny Lilac, played by Dana Andrews. And she has an opportunity to, because he's in trouble with the law, and she's got to lie low for a while. And at her performance, Gary Cooper is visiting. He is Professor Bertram Potts, who, along with uh, seven other gentlemen in a variation on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, are cloistered bachelor professors, with one exception, who's a widower, who are writing an encyclopedia that has been commissioned by a foundation run by the estate of the man who supposedly invented the toaster. The electric toaster. The electric toaster. And the motivation for starting this foundation and doing their own encyclopedia is that he was omitted from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. So not even a line. Not even a line. So he's going to get three quarters of a page yes. of this new version from these experts in various fields. Well, and there's a funny punchline about that. Like, they said, we'll give him his due space, three, three quarters of a page. And the attorney for the foundation starts to protest, and his daughter goes, no, that's the appropriate amount. <laughs> that's what he deserves. Yeah. But anyway, Professor Potts, who's in charge of the English department of, of the project, has realized because of a garbage man who visited that he's just really not up on the slang, and he needs to update his knowledge. So he goes all around town to get information, including a nightclub. I uh, becomes enamored, he would say, by the vocabulary of Sugar Pissose, but it ends up being more than that. Eventually. And wants her to come to their foundation to teach them about slang. To join a group of people. Yeah, a group discussion about slang. She's not at all interested until they hit on the idea, the two mafia men that are with her, hey, that'd be a great place for you to hide out. 
Yeah, and they have this prolonged discussion of where they're going to hide her. Yeah. And that's when they stumble into the idea of Perfect stashing spot. her at the foundation. Yeah. So she goes there and ends up kind of turning the world of these awkward professors on its ear. As in addition to slaying, she brings love and a, a newfound sense of uh, happiness and joy in life to these people. But of course, Johnny Lilac wants her back and there's various complications, but you know, it, it's based on a fairy tale. It ends like a fairy tale. The professor and Sugar Pest fall in love and they end up together. Yeah. It's very pleasant. This is one you came in basically blind. You, yep. didn't, you didn't know what this was going to be until like a, maybe an hour before we... Well, and even then I didn't look it up. Yeah. You know, we've we've established with Billy Wilder that just trust it and just go with it. Mm. So, I mean, I didn't, even, I didn't even ask you if you'd finalized your selection until sometime this afternoon. Yeah. And just, I mean, we were... We were having conversations about where we were going to get dinner before we were... Oh, did you finalize the selections? Yeah. You know, just because I've come to trust it's Billy Wilder, Nate knows it's this, the subject, just go with it. And so I, I didn't look it up before the movie started and just went with it. And I only briefly looked at a couple of things, which we'll get into later. Mm. But yeah, this was a fun film. The hijinks are good. The, the intelligence of the professors come into play mm. at the end of the movie in terms of saving their own lives yes. as well as that of... Sugar Pososhe, in, in which in, as we in will learn, realistic ways, yeah. Well, and as we're educated, Sugar Puss is a reference. Basically, her name is Sweet Face O'Shea. Mm. So Sugar Puss is puss. A puss is a face, and sugar means a sweet face. Mm. She's attractive, so mm. she's Sweet Face O'Shea. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it's a fun movie. I was I was going back and forth about which Billy Wilder writing credit I I wanted to. I'm surprised uh, you went with a writing credit as opposed to sticking with the t- directorial credit. I wanted credits. to do at least one writing credit, and there was, I sometimes forget you've you've told me before about how much writing he did before he became a director. He always thought of himself as principally a writer who got into directing so that people wouldn't butcher his scripts. Yeah, and so I I suppose it is appropriate that we did one that he just wrote and didn't direct. Yeah. But of course, what he's primarily known for is his direct yeah. writing and directing. But the movies that he directed that he also wrote. This movie was directed by Howard Hawks, who's a great director in his own right. He had done a number of quite successful comedies, especially screwball comedies. 20th Century, Bringing Up Baby. He's also well known for Sergeant York and, and Red River. It was, it was basically westerns and comedies. But he, 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 he put his hand in, in all sorts of genres, like he did Sergeant York. Well, he also directed Rio Bravo, El Dorado, and Hatari. Yeah. So... Yeah, so yeah, he did that he did the the multiple remakes of Rio Bravo late in his career when that was the only thing he could seem to do that made money. Yeah. So he's like, I'm remake Rio Bravo again. So one of the things I glanced at about Howard Hawks is he was nominated for fifteen Oscars and won four. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, quite quite the capable director. And Wilder, of course, was interested in directing and so Hawks let him on set and let him observe the process and this was his run-through because the the next year he would make his directorial debut in a film called The Major and the Minor, which, interestingly, he did not write. Hmm. So when the studio decided they were going to give him a chance on directing, they wanted to test him by giving him material that, that, he, that was not his. 
And so Major in the Minor was, was a success, and so that was what able to pave the way for a principally directorial career for the remaining four decades of his, his active working life. The other thing I was going to mention is his co-writer on this, Charles Brackett, also had a fairly successful career with six Oscar wins and 13 nominations. Yeah. Brackett was a, a waspy character that was teamed with Wilder by Paramount. That this particular film came out through RKO, RKO on a like a lend lend lease thing. Yeah. But they they worked together for a long time in in various genres. For example, they did Sunset Boulevard. They were a little bit oil and water. He did not have the friendly relation with Brackett that he did with his later writing partner I.L. Diamond. Yeah. Uh, with whom he did just comedies, really, for, for the last two decades of, of his career. There is, in some ways, not a, a really a ton to say about this movie. It's it's very straightforward. It's fun. You got the slang. You got the jokes. You, you've got a, a fun supporting cast. You've got uh, Henry Travers, who we mostly remember as Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. We've got S. Z. Sakal, a very capable Czech-born character actor known for his kind of giggle and, and hand movements. We got Alan Jenkins as the garbage man. He's a very consistent character actor. Dana Andrews, who later go on to be a leading man. Dan Dure, who had uh, a long career. Mary Field, who plays Miss Totten, Totten the daughter of the it's the Totten Foundation. Yeah, so the daughter of the yeah. inventor of the electric toaster is good. Charles Lane is in this. He was the he had a very long career. He lived to be 102 years old. He was in It's a Wonderful Life and uh, most most Capra films. Yeah, at least for a while. So it's got fun character actors. It's got Elisha Cook Jr. very briefly in it as a waiter at the club and Gene Krupa as himself doing a rendition, two renditions. Of drum boogie, one of which he plays on uh, a matchstick in a matchbox, yeah. which is a, a fun, fun sequence. Any other? Oh, any? Oh. Will Leo as Benny the Creep. Benny the Creep. You can't, yes. you can't forget to mention Benny the Creep. Mm-hmm. So, no, this was a great film. The only other thing I kind of glanced at about this was just a little bit about the actors and act- yeah. actresses in it. Barbara Stanwyck, she had a tremendous career. She acted for fifty-nine years. Mm-hmm. You mentioned she started when she was like 16. Mm-hmm. Chorus Girl. I hadn't looked that far back. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she's a wonderful actress. Billy Wilder would work with her again at, when he was a director. She would be in Double Indemnity. And then he would work with Gary Cooper again in Love in the Afternoon in the late 50s. This movie was actually the second film to star Gary Cooper and Barbara Stanwyck to come out in 1941. The other was... Meet John Doe. Did I ever show you Meet John Doe? I don't believe so. Uh, we might do that some Christmas because it, it was December related. They have a wonderful chemistry. You know, Stanwyck played this type of part a lot. The woman that makes the, the goofy, socially awkward guy just fall heads over heels with her. And she seems to be a, a hard-boiled dame in the best sense of the word, but she has a heart of gold. And that was, that was her stock in trade for most of her what a pair of gams. He's a solid sender. They're in the groove. Oh, 
You mentioned this briefly. There was the punch between Barbara Stanwyck and Kathleen Howard mm-hmm. um, that you said was not intended to be a punch. Mm-hmm. Evidently, Kathleen Howard was left with a fractured jaw <laughs> when the punch by Barbara Stanwyck threw, accidentally made contact. Stanwyck was reportedly mortified by the incident. Oh, when Gary Cooper is taking notes on the newsboy's slang, did you notice the theater across the street? No. The theater, the marquee on the theater across the street advertises Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh. Yeah. I guess Lucille Ball wanted to play the Sugar Puss O'Shea role. Yeah, that uh, Cooper came in kind of in the last minute and recommended Stanwyck, who he'd just worked with. Another actress who was considered for the role was Ginger Rogers, yeah. who would be the star of Wilder's next film, The Major and the Minor. Well, I guess Lucille Belton Ball thought this was the kind of role that could win her an Oscar. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She fought for the role and was eventually hired, but once producer Samuel Goldwyn found out that Barbara Stanwyck was available, he gave her the part instead. To pick up authentic slang for the film script, screenwriters Billy Wilder and Charles Brackett visited the drugstore across the street from Hollywood High School, a burlesque house, and the Hollywood Park racetrack. Seems like appropriate places, and most of those places, or similar places, seem to be visited in the film. Here's something I noticed. The way in the bungalow scene that Stanwyck's face looks. So Howard Hawks recalled that for the scene in which Bertram reveals his feelings about Sugar Puss and the darkened bungalow, Cinematographer Greg Toland coated Barbara Stanwyck's face with black grease paint so that her eyes would stand out. Yeah, it's supposed to Which be a shadow do. effect. It does look kind of weird. Yeah, it's noticeable. Evidently, the portrait of Miss Totten's father is the same portrait shown in Barbara Stanwyck in the Fred McMurray Christmas film *Remember the Night* from 1940. Hmm. Dana Andrews based his character of Joe L- Lilac, Sugar Puss O'Shea's boyfriend, on notorious gangster Bugsy Siegel. Siegel owned the Formosa, a club across the street from Goldwyn Studios, and Andrews used to go there after work. He had the suits, the hats, right down to the spats, down pat. Producer Sam, Samuel Goldwyn promised director Billy Wilder a $10,000 bonus if the film became a box office hit. When it was released in theaters, it was an instant success. So one day, Wilder stopped by Goldwyn's office and asked for his $10,000 bonus. Goldwyn flew into a range and called him a Hungarian thief. He shouted at Wilder, I've never promised any such thing, get out of here. Wilder left the office, obviously furious, and that night, however, Goldwyn's wife, Helen, awoke to find him pacing the floor of their bedroom. I just remembered that Wilder was right, Goldwyn told her. I did promise him a $10,000 bonus. He was asked by his wife what he was going to do, and he said, what can I do? I'm going to sit down here and write Wilder a check for (laughs) $5,000. Gary Cooper opens a book on boxing to a page featuring the famous print of English prize fighter Daniel Mendoza, 1764-1836. He was the great-great-grandfather of actor Peter Sellers. Really? Evidently, Wilder brought this story with him. He wrote it in Germany, but brought it with him when he immigrated. Hmm. So this movie was nominated for four Oscars, and are you aware of which four Oscars? I'm going to say that one is got to be for the screenplay. Let's see. No, well, yeah, best writing original story. Yeah. Is so basically one, screenplay, but screenplay. it was not called screenplay yeah. then. Was uh, one of them, or more than one of them, in the acting category? One was in the acting category. Is it Stanwyck. Yes. Okay, good for her. Best actress in the leading role, Barbara Stanwyck. Nominated. So evidently, many times Lucille Ball one. was correct. Yeah. <laughs> 
The other two, one was sound recording, and the other was best music scoring of a dramatic picture. Huh. Well, I you know, this is this is only the second time I've seen this. Really? As I was thinking, it was it was this or Nanachka, which is kind of the prestige film of his comedies that he didn't direct. But this just kept intruding on my mind. I'm like, I want to watch this one. So you've seen it once and it stood out that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think this is one I'll forget. I had not seen it before, obviously. Mm-hmm. Thoroughly entertaining. Quite fun. Yeah, how would you rate this film? I would give this, this is a solid three star. I would give it a seven on the ten, maybe an eight. On I, the, I the was going to say, evidently, I like this more than you. I mm-hmm. would agree with the three on the four star scale. And, but I think it's an 8 out of 10 on the 10 star yeah, scale. It's not, it's not a film of any great substance. It didn't rewrite anything. It's, it's just very effective at what it but is. But it's better than that. 7 is kind of yeah. still a middling I'm not rating. I'm going to hate it. You know, an 8 is, you know, that's a really good film. Mm-hmm. So, and at least in my estimation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, this was 8 out of 10 stars. So, well, yeah. Anything else you want to add on this one? No. I'm looking forward to this, this month and... and uh, I'm sure you are. You always look forward to a Billy Wilder month. Different directions in the writing. Yeah, you, you uh, you'll continue my some of my edu- film education continue requirements. Film education, yeah. You know, last time we did this, you checked off some of the uh, classics I wanted to see. Yeah. 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 Maybe we will again. Cool. Well, I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate record a podcast. Yeah, fun film. Yeah. When did you see this the first time? 2007? So it's been like 15 years since I've seen this thing. Yeah. Let's do some uh, 1940 slang. Going to read a slang word. Can you tell me what it is slang for? Okay. Uh, We'll start easy. Broad. Uh, A lady. A chicken. A coward. Chrome dome. A bald head. Cold fish. A dead body. A boring person, someone who isn't very oh, responsive. So I suppose yeah. a dead body would yeah. would count. Crack up. A, somebody who's funny. Yes. A dead hoofer. Dead hoofer. Somebody who doesn't walk? A bad dancer. Oh, okay. A dull ditzy. A d- dumb broad. A boy who is crazy about girls. Oh, really? A drip. Probably not someone with a sinus problem. Someone who's boring. Yeah. Here's a weird one. Uh, a ducky shincracker. This one's in the movie, and I don't remember it. This is a really good dancer. Okay. Glitterati. Don't know. It's a wealthy or famous people. Okay. Here's one still in use. A hipster. Probably a different use now. Mm-hmm. Someone who is very tuned in to popular culture and current trends. I guess it's the same thing. A jive bomber. A jive bomber? Jive bomber. I'm not sure I would get that one right. A good dancer. So there's like five of them already. There's a lot of them that are for dancing. Yeah. A khaki wacky. A good dancer. A girl who is crazy about boys. So that would be the counterpart to the ducky shincracker. No, that's a dancer. uh, To the uh, doll dizzy. There you go. Hot diggity dog. Something's fun. Exclamation of excitement. Yeah. A mug. It's not like a reference to a pickpocket. No. Like Look at his smile. mug. Look at his mug. Yeah, his face. Ugly mug, his face. Natch. 
Natch? Natch. I don't know. Naturally. Okay. Of course, certainly. On the beam. A drunk? On the right track, on the right course. Same as on the nose. Yeah. We'll wrap up with some uh, put-downs. Bupkiss. Foolish. Liar. Uh, nothing. When someone doesn't receive anything for their efforts, they get bucket. Bu oh, yeah. Bupkiss. Yeah. Corny. Which was a major plot point. It's the same meaning it has today. It's yeah, something it's kind of you know, cheesy, old-fashioned. Yeah. Yep. Rhubarb. Like embarrassed? Uh, rhubarb, an argument, a squabble, or a loud disagreement. Okay. And finally, whistling Dixie. It's not going to be a Southerner reference, is it? Well, in a way. Yeah. Wasting your time. <laughs> Much like the Confederacy. Yeah. I just wanted to drop in one funny quote when uh, Sugar Puss O'Shea needs help with her zipper, you know, and they're trying to help her with the stepping uh, zipper. Yes. She says, you know, I had this happen one night in the middle of my act. I couldn't get a thing off. I was embarrassed. Uh, that reminds me, there was a line where she is pretending that she has uh, a cold or is going to get a cold as an yep. excuse to stay there. And she says... Uh, when they're looking at her tonsils, and it's like, it's as red as the Daily Worker, and just as sore. Yep. She's very dated. Yeah. Indeed it is. She's the kind of woman who makes civilizations topple. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Alrighty. You... I assume you're conducting most yeah. of this month? Yeah. Well, if not I all of the so. month? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why do we use the term conducting? I don't know. That's not... Is that is that a, a leftover? I, pr I assume so. It's not the appropriate term. No, that's not the appropriate <laughs> Hosting. Yes. So not a church service. Well, I don't know. I mean, this is it's about as close as we come. I've, I've, made, I've made that <laughs> joke. It's like, Mormonism's my, my hobby. It's movies that's my religion. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we know we have our outtakes. Indeed. <laughs> All right, whenever you're ready. <laughs>